Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the Contact Us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Merry New Year. <laughs> oh, so he was on an he was on an old TV series called Homicide: Life on the Street. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that. Apparently, he crossed over into Law and Order. Probably a lot of people did. Who, Andre Brower, or are we talking yeah. about somebody else? Oh, okay. So he has TV cop experience. That's probably why he got the job as a TV cop yeah. captain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty great. And he was also in Jackie Chan Adventures, a cartoon animated series. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got like a white elephant gift, like the board game of Jackie Chan Adventures, and I was like, great, I never watched this show. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's, well, hold well, on. Jackie me, Chan is great, but... Let me preface that by saying when I was a kid, I thought it was good. I don't know if it holds up. <laughs> yeah, that's it why I'm... It holds a... up okay. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not the world's best cartoon or anything, but it's it's surprising. And it was surprising then, too, frankly. Jackie yeah. Chan's great. This, this is the same reason why I'm afraid to open this box set of uh, Ninja or uh, Ninja Turtles. No, uh, Thundercats. Like the original Thundercats. Oh. Hey, guess what does not hold up? Thundercats. The original Thundercats? <laughs> the only good thing about original Thundercats is the theme song, which is admittedly yeah. a bop. But yeah. And and you gotta you can't forget that catchphrase. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Ho! Oh. Um, I kid you not, I got the sword for my second birthday, and that is like one of the first sentences that I uttered on this, on this world in my life. (laughs) Didn't play with the rest of the toys. I took my sword and I ran off into the playground where like, you know, party at the park. And I just, I went over and I like killed all the little horses by the merry-go-round and like, you know, like. My parents are like, so, so you don't want your present? I was like, Thunder Cats home! So my cousins opened up my presents. I, 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 I vaguely remember there being a Triceratops. I don't know what else I got that day. I got the Thundercat sword. All that's all that mattered. <laughs> nobody, nobody ever gifts that to me anymore. <laughs> Gives what to you? The Thundercat sword? Yeah, like a, just a plastic Thundercat sword. You know how happy that would make me on Christmas? <laughs> No man, it's like uh, it's like in the Santa Claus when the 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 stepdad wants the Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. Oh know? yeah, like Thundercat sword. If I got a new one of those, that'd be fantastic because very quickly the sticker wore off, and so it, it didn't have that cool logo on it. It was just a sword, like and yeah. then like it fell apart. It's still somewhere floating around in my. There's stuff. a there's a tweet that like makes me cry a little bit inside every time, but it's 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 like the worst part of growing up is. Whenever I get new shoes, nobody asks me if I can go faster in them anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I, you know I want to try. <laughs> so next time I see somebody with new shoes, I am, I am gonna ask them that. <laughs> Stephen, I feel you trying to steer us on topic. 
Well, sort of. I mean, like, it felt like we were getting to a natural lull in the conversation. So it's like, you give out the satisfied sigh, showing that you are happy with the way this conversation has progressed. But unfortunately, you now have to pivot to talking about the Superhuman Registration Podcast, a show where we read a whole bunch of Marvel comics and talk about them. Man, he's good at this. I'm not bad. Like, That's why he gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> I, think, I think our producer, Chuck Spritely, did a good job picking Steven oh, as the host. Good old Chuckles. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at, at Chuck uh, in, in the booth, and he's giving me the thumbs up. Mm. It's not a you know, I, you know, I admire Chuck's beard. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he has to tuck it into his belt, but it's still... <laughs> I'm a little dissatisfied he didn't approve the budget to uh, set off fireworks for New Year's episode, but... I just asked for a new chair. All I wanted was a new rolly chair, and no, no, would not have it. No, I'm pretty stringent on the budget. Yeah. It's tough sometimes. We've never actually talked about this on a recording, I don't think, but I created all of our, like, social media presences with an alias, and the alias that I came up with on the spot was Chuck Sprightly. Turns out, though, that using that sort of alias thing is a violation of terms of service and potentially illegal. Like, it might actually be fraud, so I need to go through and change all of this stuff. Things like this are what happen when you marry an attorney. <laughs> Thanks for pulling back the curtain on the illusion. Yeah, man, you just, just broke created. the fourth wall. We were just gonna like <laughs> retcon that always being your nickname, and so there wouldn't be any. There'd be precedent. There'd be there'd be you know podcast episodes you could refer to being like, look, th- this is my nickname. It just didn't come up naturally in conversation until such and such a date. I was just going to create the persona that, like, Chuck Sprightly was our producer. (laughs) Yeah, and that thing that I went along with five seconds ago that I forgot about in the five seconds after Steven explained the real-life story. Man, I'm tired. Okay. The brightest stars also burn the fastest. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we're here to talk about comics. And so why don't we go ahead and get into that? I'm Steven, John, and Aldo. You ready for this? It's great. You both are going da 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 da, and I actually no no idea what you were trying to go for. Wait, really? No. I guess y'all ready for this? Oh yeah, that's wow. No, no need to make it like orchestral, Stephen. I think the very crude da 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 That's like you know, well, that almost went into Mortal Kombat. It's like da 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 woo. You know, it's like you're you're playing the closing sting on your piano medley. So anyway, why don't we talk about Howard the Duck? Please. Okay, so Howard is a duck. What? That's that's the the whole gimmick. Well, I think his I think his name is the Duck. Yes. So Howard the Duck is a <laughs> long long-standing Marvel Comics character. Actually had a very successful comics run in like the 70s. And he headlined his own film franchise of one movie, which oh. was among it's it's commonly considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. Have either of you guys ever seen the Howard the Duck movie? No. I want to. Because because they put boobs on a duck, and I have standards. Listen, I've watched the movie with boobs on a turtle. I, I feel like I can't go much lower than that. Is it just me, or did Aldo say he, he saw the booby with the boobs on the turtle? A I saw movie. the movie. I think you were hearing what you want to hear, Stephen. Who wants to hear about turtle boobs? I do. Uh, I don't know what he's Turtles talking about. Four, apparently. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, I've seen that one. 
I thought her femininity stemmed from the uh, girly color of her bandana, less than the shape of her shell. No, that her, oh, her, the shape of her shell was pretty pronounced. Man, Just in rep- case it wasn't obvious enough. Reptiles and and birds don't have boobs. I don't know. I, I Mammals. That literally is in the name. It's code, man. Beesh. It's, it's cinematic shorthand for woman. It's boobs. So anyway, in the comics <laughs> of Howard the Duck, <laughs> Howard comes from a dimension of talking animals, but through some events that have not been explored in this series, nor do I think are they ever really explored in contemporary Howard the Duck comics. Uh, He is transported through the nexus of all realities into Marvel Comics land. So, anyway, Howard the Duck is a humanoid duck who lives in the world of superheroes. He was originally created as sort of a parody character, like to uh, sort of highlight the absurdity of superhero situations and riff on them. And that's kind of the role he plays in this series. So this series was written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Joe Quinones, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Howard is, in this series, a private detective who has an office just up the hall from She-Hulk. He does not get along with She-Hulk, nor does it seem he gets along with any of the superpowered types. He's kind of just like a thorn in their side. He's, he's like their schlubby friend that they don't actually like but he keeps mooching stuff off of them which i actually think is a pretty great dynamic for the character Mm -hmm. anyway the this story follows him through all sorts of misadventures he crosses paths with the black cat stealing some stuff from her teams up with a local is she a tattoo artist yeah she's a tattoo artist who kind of starts accompanying him on his adventures he winds up in outer space he gets picked up by the collector as sort of a, you know, specimen of a unique uh, alien species, even though he's not really that. Uh, Breaks out because he just so happens to be cellmates with Rocket Raccoon. Comes back to Earth, finally finishes the job that he was originally hired for that starts this whole thing off, which was to steal this random piece of jewelry, which turns out is part of your store brand Infinity Gauntlet called, oh my gosh, what do they call it? The Adequate Gauntlet? That sounds right. Let me go back. It's something like that. Oh, here we go. It's the abundant glove. (laughs) That's right. It is made up of five gems, which are compassion, laughter, dance, respect, and then a second dance gem. Yeah, the second dance is what really, I was like, okay, I can get on board with this goofy idea. (laughs) So it's meant to be, you know, parody of the Infinity Gauntlet, obviously silly, but still winds up being powerful in the hands of Talos the Tamer, who is a scroll who can't shapeshift. Howard winds up kind of getting shunted to the sidelines while all the heroes come in to try to take down Talos. But Howard talks to his friend, the, the tattoo artist. Turns out she's actually part scroll. Because she ate a brainwashed scroll who had turned into a duck and inherited uh, scroll powers. Which is a thing that is canonically possible in Marvel Comics. They mentioned the, the scroll kill crew. That's canon. That's been around for a while. So anyway, she winds up uh, saving the day with her shape-shifting powers. And Howard goes back to his life as a private duck detective. And all's well and good. And then the series gets rebooted in the very next issue. Because, you know, this comic came out around the same time as uh, 
Secret Wars when everything got rebooted. So welcome to 2015 Marvel Comics. What did we think of it? I was I was uh, prob- probably the unpopular opinion. I didn't like it very much. No. No, um, and it's weird. I like Zdarsky. Zdarsky's a very good writer. Um, Zdarsky's a very good writer. Very, I mean, he did Spider-Man Life Story, which is probably one of my top ten Spider-Man books, and I've I've read my fair share of Spider-Man books. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah and, and he's he's really good. A uh, really good writer. I just wasn't... <sighs> this whole book felt really try-hard. Really like oh look at all these references oh look how funny we are oh look at us poking the fourth wall and pointing out how absurd all this is like it just felt really and it was really tiring after the second issue um and I get that that's the kind of comedy that they're going for here and maybe I just it just didn't gel with me like it, it I don't know especially when they introduced the the uh, was it the abundant glove or the yeah when they introduced that I was just like all right um. And the superhero battle for the fate of New York and possibly the world, a totally original concept from Chip and Joe's basement apartment of ideas. It was like, all right. Well, that's that's also one of those jokes where it feels a little, like I said, a little tryhardish, a little, yeah. haha, look at this, it's pointing pointing out the obvious. Like, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm interested to, like, I'll be interested to compare this a little bit with um, Gwenpool because they both kind of pay homage, poke fun at, Marvel in general, um, you know, Gwenpool's more on the nose, but we'll t- we'll talk about you know she's she's kind of picking up the dregs and he's you know hanging out like in this fight scene in this splash page we have the Fantastic Four we have the Avengers you know we have Silk and we have um, Captain America and it's uh, it's uh, Sam Wilson and we have you know Jen Walters and he hangs he, he as you know ne- next door to Jen Walters and. Um, I don't know. I liked it, but uh, it also was kind of like I I could see what they were doing, you know. And I don't like to I don't like to you know be able to see where they're going with this and everything. The uh, the um, Killer Scrolls team, I didn't expect that because I thought that it was just you know just random sidekick girl just to kind of give us another in to Howard, you know, because I mean he's a duck, and I didn't realize that he was a duck with regular features like he has he has hands. And that really did like disturbs me. <laughs> I don't know why. It was like, like it makes sense because it'd be stupid if he was just like flapping his feathers around, you know. But like, or like had like feathery hands, I guess. But that would, I think that would have looked more like what I was expecting. But he totally is like a little guy with a with a friggin' duck head, you know. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah. So. Here's the thing. I actually don't love how try-hard this story gets. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, I don't like the Abundant Glove as, as no. a plot device. I think, it's, I think it's too sloppy. And even, like, the second dance gem. I'm just like, okay, come on. Because I know Zdarsky can be very clever. And, actually, I think he frequently is very clever in this book. Like, there's a lot of stuff in it that I really like. For one thing, I like Howard as a character. I like someone who understands, like, sort of the artifice of the superhero universe and is just kind of over it. Yeah. Um, and I think he makes a great foil with other comedic characters. Like, there's a team-up story that he does with Squirrel Girl that's pretty fun. Um, I like the contrast between him and Gwenpool when she shows up, where she's, like, they both kind of see past the artifice of things. Gwenpool takes it to the sort of, like, 
destruction happy nihilism and howard is just like no you can't do that because this stuff is all real to the people who are here how like how do you have no compassion um i like the character driven comedy in these books i mentioned this in a different podcast where i i brought up howard the duck um but i love spider-man in these books I love the jokes that are made at Spider-Man's expense in Howard the Duck. I I think I I need to go back because I think I missed something when he was like mourning Uncle Ben when Howard disappeared. Was it just like he was reminded of his loss? He he's racing to to catch up with Howard because he hears Howard quacking, uh-huh. and then this is what this is page, uh, it's twenty. We're in issue one. Yeah, page nineteen. So. Spider-Man is swinging along. He's like, wait, is that Howard's annoying voice? Oh, man, I knew he'd still go after the cat. I shouldn't have just left him like that. If anything happens to that stupid duck because of me, dot, 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 and he just goes on. Because that's the whole Spider-Man gimmick, you know. Bad things happen to people around him, and he, he blames himself. And then you flip over to the next page, and Howard has disappeared. He's been zapped by the collector's goon and is now on a spaceship. But all we see is like a puff of smoke and a scorch mark. And Spider-Man shows up and he's like, uh, oh no, uh, Uncle Ben, no, I'm sorry. And he just collapses <laughs> on the ground and starts crying. And then he pops up again when Howard comes back to Earth. He's been lying on the roof with a little memorial to Howard next yeah. to him. And he's like sucking his thumb and he's grown stubble because he hasn't shaved. Um, and then all the stuff with Aunt May. Where Aunt May, I, I glossed over this, Aunt May gets hypnotized and starts robbing banks. Howard stops him, or stops the, uh, the who is it, the circus master, the ringleader? We've, yeah. We saw him in uh, Hawkeye briefly, I believe. Yeah, but ha- Howard shows up and stops him, and Aunt May is now Howard's friend. So Aunt May is, like, hanging out with Howard, and Peter Parker walks past and just gives Howard the stink eye. Yeah. And Howard has no idea why it's happening. I Like, I love that stuff. And I wish the book had more of that and less of the Infinity Gauntlet, wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff. Because that didn't work for me at all. Yeah, when it's too close to the films, it's like, no, that's not why I came to the comic. Like, I I want something more from the comic that you can't do on films. And, like, every little callback to, like, you know. And now at the same time, like, that's kind of the whole gimmick of, of Gwenpool is, like, you know, she... Like she's telling telling Doctor Strange, and he's like, "Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I could see that," you know. <laughs> but yeah. it it doesn't. I don't know. I I would rather see something that we don't get on screen, or like no reference to that. Yeah, I think I think part of what was really grinding on me too was there's a YouTuber that I that I used to like, um, who does like anime YouTube stuff. But, like, in the last couple of years, a lot of his stuff really turned into, like, check out my big brain. I can memorize all of these weird facts about directors and episodes and things that happened. And I got that same vibe from this book. Where it was like, haha, look at, the, look at this. Look at the big brain on us checking out, like, all these things that actually happened in the books. And if you don't believe us, here's the issue and here's the up. Ep- and it's just like, what? What's the point? Like, what does this add? Like... Mm-hmm. And it, it's it it was happening. It, it's got to have happened at least twice per issue, if not more. Where like every issue had like one of those one of those editor's notes of like this really happened in this issue. Like it's not just a weird reference we're making. I think there there's a way to do that and like and make it better because this yeah it feels more like haha, and it could have been 
I don't know, either more subtle or like leaned into it more and made it a bigger part of the plot and not just like, and this weird thing is going to happen to this character we've introduced because it's, it's canon, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and okay, to be fair though, a lot of these uh, references to other issues are jokes. Like, I'm, I'm in uh, the final issue that we read, page 15. Oh, we're talking Howard about a future and, issue? And, what? You mean the, the no. reference to the future issue or like? No, not even <laughs> okay. the reference to the future issue. I'm, I'm on uh, just like Howard is talking to Falk Captain America. And he says, last time I saw you, you were just Falcon. And the, the editor's note is to Two-Fisted Ornithology number 29. I just assumed it was serious because the other ones oh, had been. Is, so there's inconsistency yeah, no. that throws off the joke. Actually, I think it's like the whole issue pretty much after Amazing Spider-Man 33. Iron Fist, the team up is uh, Fist Bros number nine. Uh, the other Falcon reference is to True Ornithology Romance number 12. <laughs> See, and the, the problem was I, I think they did that a little too much to the point where I wasn't even looking at that anymore like i just ignored it and maybe that's just me maybe i'm just maybe i'm just a, a, a no they got me they got me too because i yeah didn't read it closely enough yeah because i like, stopped oh. paying attention to that joke <laughs> to be fair <laughs> honestly it's not that great a joke i'm sorry chip <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening this, chip this just me oh <laughs> could feel him turn it off now this just means that we we choose another book of his so that we you know we can redeem yeah, him well, on the list and that's and like that's the thing too is like, I've heard really good stuff about the actual not well not the actual because this is the actual series, but but I've heard like more acclaim for the follow up Howard the Duck series than I heard for this one. Um, I don't know maybe it's better, um, but like like I said he's a really good writer. I have a couple of his books. I I have uh, Sex Criminals. No wait that's Max Fraction. Yeah. That's or Matt no Fraction. is that Sadarsky? Yeah it's it's Matt Fraction. Fraction yeah. I, I know I have another one of his books, because I know I have, like, another Zarsky book on my shelf. Um, and his, like, Spider-Man Live Story stuff is good. Uh, like, Zdarsky is a solid, really good writer. And, like, the thing is, th- this book isn't bad. I know we've been harping on it. like on the Oh, comp- it's not bad. It's no. not bad at all. Yeah. It's really good. But I think when you do really good stuff, the bad stuff tends to stick out a little bit more. Because, um, like, this book does... So... <laughs> So in reference to like uh, uh was it the Dark Phoenix book that takes you from like everywhere seemingly for like no reason, this book does that, but it does it well. Like you don't suddenly question why am I suddenly in outer space or why am I suddenly here? What am I? What's going on here? Like it guides you really well and takes you to several different locations in just like the five issues, and I never once felt like, well, what's the point of us being here? Like it felt like it was a good f- like flow, good throw line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a good book. I don't I don't want to just harp on it because I did enjoy the book. Granted, the comedy was really mm-hmm. starting to wear on me at some points, but yeah. but the actual story itself like was 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 good. It was fine. Yeah. Again, I think the strongest element of this book is the character work, and I I like to harp on the the Peter Parker jokes because. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes it's okay to not take Spider Man seriously. Oh yeah. Out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I just. I love Howard as a character. I like his sidekick, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. Um, and I, I just like the way that Howard is... Like, as a detective, he's got this sort of, like, schlubby, practiced incompetence. It reminds me of characters like, uh, I don't know, Harvey Bullock from Batman. 
you know, but every now and again, those characters get these moments where you're reminded, oh, yeah, they're actually pretty good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And so when Howard needs to get in touch with Spider-Man, what he does is he walks into She-Hulk's office and acts annoying until everybody leaves, and then he just raids her Rolodex. It's great stuff. I really love that. Um, oh, and before I forget, you're both right. Zdarsky and Fraction both worked on Sex Criminals. Zdarsky was the artist. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so he, he does both writing and art. Yeah. Okay. Goes Good. up. I wasn't, goes, I was, my opinion I'm, of him goes up and... Uh, Thanks to yeah. that little tidbit. Okay, so I wasn't misremembering as much as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that if there was... Um, I don't think I ever knew who the artist was, so I learned something today. Yeah. I've read... The only other Zdarsky written story that I've read is the first arc... I don't remember how much of Jughead he wrote, but Archie, when they did their fairly recent oh, reboot, yeah. he, he did the that. Jughead comics with Erica Henderson. Uh, and I like those fine. And they have kind of a similar tone to this, actually. Side note, what's the appeal of Jughead? Is he just a goof? Does he like hamburgers or make, mixing him, him up with Popeye's friend Wimpy? Is Jughead he does a hot like dog hamburgers. man? Jughead's appeal is that he is embroiled in all of the teenage shenanigans, but he's just kind of over it. Uh, with the recent Jughead stories, they actually uh, make him the focal point for the weird stuff so he's the one who meets up with sabrina the teenage witch he gets conked on the head and has time travel adventures like the weirder aspects of archie comics now crop up in jughead or at least they were as of like three years ago and he has a weird hat and he has a weird hat it's not a crown is it supposed to just be like a like a i don't even know what it's supposed to be yeah and apparently he's a he's a real dreamboat in the riverdale tv series Oh gosh, I tried to watch Riverdale. It's it's exceptionally I, bad. That is that is actually what I'm going to be watching like next week. I would rather watch Cats again. But to be fair, I would rather watch Cats again than Rise of Skywalker. So I mean, I don't think you're alone on that one. The, that's just that's just masochism, though. Like I read pages and pages and pages of reviews of that movie that was just like weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, just like, what is this? What are we watching? Ah! Yeah. I mean, we don't need to talk about this because we really ought to get back to talking about Howard. But I just have to say, on the record, Cats is the worst movie I have ever paid theatrical ticket prices for. <laughs> it is just phenomenally bad, and I would absolutely watch it again. I have a question okay. about Howard for you guys. Yeah. When sometimes it's easy to get a character's voice in your head when you're reading and it helps to kind of connect with them. What what's Howard's voice sound like when you guys are reading it? Cuz I I could not pin it down. I I didn't have a voice for him. For me it's kind of like Gilbert Gottfried but in a lower register. <laughs> there it is. Well, okay. that's stuck. That's, okay. That's okay. You fixed you fixed me, Stephen. Thank you. It's not gonna get I, that out of my head. Because, like, you know, for the X-Men, thanks to the ninety-two TV series, like I'm good. I got everybody's voice. Like, you know, I got that over the like, hey sugar for rogue, and I got, <laughs> Please I got that the, again. the non-swearing swearing Wolverine, you piece of you piece of gutter trash or whatever he says, you know. Like, um, so that's there, and like the cheesy, like, oh, where's this? Where's our team going for Cyclops? Maybe that's why I don't like him until he becomes a terrorist. Um, <laughs> he's a revolutionary, excuse you. Oh, uh, yes, forgive me. Yeah, <laughs> H- history will prove that he was a revolutionary. 
not a ter- I, yeah, no, I actually... Hashtag Cyclops was right. Cyclops <laughs> was right, yeah. History no, has I'm... its one big cycloptic eye on him. <laughs> Fantastic. History has its eye on Steven just got his wings. There was a Hamilton reference on his comic book podcast. <laughs> so do we have oh. anything else that we want to say about Howard the Duck? Yeah, um, there's a Scott Pilgrim reference. There's a Scott Pilgrim reference? Where was that? It's when he's eating bread, when he's been... Uh... Oh, bread makes you fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bread makes you oh, fat? Oh gosh, I completely forgot about that scene. Yeah, when he's been pretending to be a real duck and he's just been hanging by out in the pond eating bread. By just taking off all of his clothes and standing by a pond that and eating so bread. so messed up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was neat. And oh also, I like that the building screwed up his name, because apparently his name <laughs> is Howard the Duck. Like, the Howard duck is his last name. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, after his building, like, repairs his door, it says Howard A. Space Duck. <laughs> a duck. <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed the art and the colors. The colors in particular. Um, I thought, you know, th- it was a really, like, well-made comic. It looked good. Um, you know, easy to follow that way. Just the writing, I was kind of like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I needed, like, more of a hook into it that wasn't like playing off of the MCU. I think that's my my, pro- my problem. Yeah. Is. I my my thing is and I, and I hate comparing artists, but as 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 a as a chump, that's my point of reference for everything is compare everything to everything else. Um but I, I and I hope it never comes across as like you're not good enough to be a reference unto yourself. Like this is this is how I explain stuff. Um but I got some real, like, all red vibes from this art. Really? Um, yeah. Like, a lot of, like, kind of really good, like, mostly, like, flat colors. A lot of the shading is kind of hard shading. Um, but just a lot of the faces and a lot of, like, the, the like, I guess the, 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 uh, the way the faces are facing the camera. I can't figure out a better way to phrase that. Well, um, I guess, okay, I'm, I'm in issue five, I think. I'm looking at four right now. Oh, I'm in issue four, actually, yeah. And so there's one panel on page, I think, 15, where Johnny Storm is looking in the camera, and he's shrugging. He's kind of got the Mike Allred dimples there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's like a, that's that's one of those things. That I, I, do, I do like the art. It's, like, really good. But it just gave me some vibes off of that. Like, maybe that's just kind of similar schools of, of art. Um, it's really good stuff. I also like that joke about... Doctor Strange going to his poker night because Wong is a little overbearing. Yeah. Oh, that was terrific. <laughs> the character, <laughs> like so... Steven said, the character jokes are great. I just... Mm-hmm. Every, a lot of the other comedy was just not... <laughs> Here's the thing. I actually don't like the Wong joke. Um, What's the Long joke? The Wong joke. Oh, okay. About, like, the joke at Wong's expense. He's, like, a little overbearing, so Doctor Strange lies to him to go to poker night. Doesn't seem like it fits into their relationship. But yeah, in the like, moment, it was a funny thought that like he goes and plays poker with demons because his you know hired man or his his protector like, I don't know what their relationship is. His Alfred, there you go, is yeah. uh, <laughs> you know overbearing. Part of the like the problem that I have with it is it feels like mean spirited, and maybe it's just because I don't know enough about the character. Like the Spider Man joke is obviously kind of mean spirited. Sure, it, it's it's a joke at Spider Man's expense, but it's also like. For lack of a better word, it's earned, or at least it feels valid because I've read enough Spider-Man comics to know, yeah, that is the way Spider-Man reacts to things. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, like, this doesn't feel like it's a very fair treatment of the character of Wong. Although, I mean, douchey Doctor Strange does fit with some of the versions of the character that we've read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I it's do really like that Howard, started, yeah. like, Howard and Strange pop out of the portal and Wong is like, did you, did you vanquish the nether spawn thog? And Howard says, yeah, actually he did it because I helped and I saved his life and now he owes me a favor. And Doctor Strange is like, yes. <laughs> like that's, that stuff yeah. is fun. But again, like the joke feels mean spirited at the expense of a character who I don't know deserves that level of scorn or derision. Right. Weird to get defensive about Wong, I'm it's sure. It's fine. But. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of the things I wanted to call out. Um, in that first issue on the cover, uh, Black Cat is the one that's approaching his door, but it's art by a totally different artist, it looks like. And I just noticed that and thought that was weird. Uh, and also, I nobody ever calls it out, but like Howard's phone number is like 1-800-DUCK-DICK. What? Yeah, it's it's in uh, when he's having the legal battle with. Oh right, right, right. No, I remember that because, and it's the the reason that that's the phone number is because Dick is slang for detective. Yep. But also, it's just I mean it's just there in black and white. Yep, sure is. Oh, uh, it's not black and white. It's whatever the color they use for that text. <laughs> but yeah, five 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 tuck Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of covers, since you mentioned a cover. Yeah. Okay. Cover to issue two. I hate it. <laughs> the selfie. The I, selfie. Yeah, I Gamora doesn't do selfies. I mean, that's the joke. I guess. No, the the joke is that Drax doesn't know how to do duck lips. And he's so doing he's the duck. His hands in front of his face. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. That cover's a little cringy for my taste. <laughs> Oh, it's super cringy. Yeah. It's super cringy. All, all well-drawn covers, but yeah, it's very like, uh... Like, and and the thing about the cover that I really like, though, is the, the cover comments where you have Gerard Way, who says, just finished Howard the Duck number one and loved it. And then you have a quote from Howard the Duck who's like, who's Gerard Way and what What's the F is he doing on my cover? <laughs> It's weird because, like, Howard, like, is right up against the fourth wall, but not quite. It's not like Deadpool, you know. Or Gwenpool. Or Gwenpool, which, well, I was saving that because, you know, we're not there yet, but. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, it's so close, but not quite, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, again, I think if it had more of that fourth wall breaking maybe some of these other jokes would have landed better. But as it is, because so much of the story and so much of the the humor comes from the characters. I think I'm able to pinpoint, like, what my dislike is between, like, this and, like, um, Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Is I don't mind it when the character makes a joke at me. I, I, I like that. I don't like it when the author makes a joke at me. Oh, huh. that's a good distinction. Like, Gwen, like, Gwenpool's comedy, which we'll get to that soon enough, didn't bother me as much, even though it's kind of in the same vein. Um, but kind of thinking back to Squirrel Girl, a lot of those jokes that I didn't like were also kind of, like, from the author, not from the character. And I think that's my distinction here between, like, the comedy that I do like and that I don't like in this book, is I like the character stuff. I don't like the author jokes about, like this book and like this thing and like that thing and and if that makes the sense. meta references yes yeah yeah 
Meanwhile, like, I remember going back to Squirrel Girl and they have alt text at the bottom of the pages mm-hmm. and all that. Like, I like that. I like it when the authors are trying to be, like, super clever. Um, I don't know why it doesn't work for me quite as well with Howard as it did with uh, Squirrel Girl, honestly. Um, and I think it's because with... Actually, maybe this is it. With Squirrel Girl, um, it's a, it's something that I'm just used to seeing from... Oh, crap. What's the, the writer's name again? Uh, he's the dinosaur comics guy. Ryan North. Ryan North, yeah. Like, I'm just... I'm used to seeing that joke from Ryan North because he's been making that joke for years and years and years. And so for me, it was just like, oh, Ryan North's on this book. Where oh. here, I feel like... Uh, Zdarsky, like, I'm not, I don't want to say that he hasn't earned the right to, to try to be this funny, because that's obviously not true. Yeah, but, like, in your relationship with his writing, he hasn't earned it yet. Or, or maybe it's just that it doesn't gel with the stuff that I liked more. It's kind of like my relationship with Bilber, or, like, I've listened and watched Bilber for years, so, like, his brand of, like, angry white man yells at the world is hilarious to me. But when other comedians do the same angry white man yells at the world, I just roll my eyes. It's like, you're not Bill Burr. He is, yeah, he is, you haven't earned he is it. Very, he yeah. is very funny. And someone someone put a tweet up after his episode of The Mandalorian came out like, well, I guess we have Space Boston now. It was yeah, so it's good. confirmed. <laughs> Space Boston is canonically existing yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah. I didn't mind that episode. I just was I happy to see... It, yeah. I just was like, hey, Bill Burr. I just... I'm happy to see Bill Burr. Yeah. That episode was probably my second favorite of The Mandalorian. Yeah. What was your first? Uh, the the one with the, the shrimp farmers, where they meet the MMA fighter woman. The walker? The, with the walker in the woods? With the walker. My future wife, Gina Carano. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Have, has... <laughs> <laughs> I just Don't got this. Let us in so we can laugh. Oh no! I sorry. Like about eight jokes all at once appeared. Like <laughs> popped in. I was like, wait, wait, which one? Oh, I don't know. It's like kid in a candy store. So one of them is the image where she just throws Aldo down the aisle. Like <laughs> the kid. <laughs> the, the ceremony is her just wailing on him, and he's just so happy. Fastball special. <laughs> and then I was I was trying to remember if he's ever designated any other uh, lady as his future wife, and I and I really hope that there's a list somewhere. Aldo, tell I, me. I, I don't. I mean, there's a list, but that has this is the first mention of it on the podcast. <laughs> I just wanted to be noted that she will be the one carrying me across the threshold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you'll have a busted up ankle and kneecap from the uh, ceremony. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it took me a second. I was like, I like her. I know that she's not that great, but I still like her. Whatever. I think she does exactly what she needs to do. For yeah. 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 And, and yeah. it's it's fine. I She's my favorite of the side characters. Easy. Space MMA. Yeah, seriously. Speaking of space, Howard the Duck went there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the segues can't all be good. Do we have no. anything else to say about Howard before we move on? No. Nah. No, that segue was that egg pod that they just released. The segue just released a segue like egg pod, like the ones from Wally. Egg pod? What? Let's talk about Gwenpool? <laughs> hey, all right. All right. Hey, it's my turn. Uh, Gwenpool. Uh, sorry, I'm looking for the credits because I want to make sure I. 
Christopher Hastings and Guri Hiru. Yes, I was about to say that, Stephen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm excited because I like both of them. No, it's fine. I've never. I don't think I've ever read anything by Hastings, uh, but I have definitely read comics uh, with drawn that have been drawn by Guri Hiru, which is a team, um, I think. Or is it just a person who just doesn't want their name to be? Known? I believe it's an art team. It's like Menudo for comics. <laughs> That's not the reference I was expecting, but okay. I couldn't come up with another team fast enough. I don't. I don't know. So it's a Japanese illustration team consisting of uh, Chifuyu Sasaki and Naoko Kawano, both originating from Sapporo, Japan, which they make eh beer. Um. <laughs> Okay. But they mainly work as artists for American comics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Yep. So we've uh, we've read a few things with them, I want to say. At least at least one, maybe two. They were on A-Babies versus X-Babies. Yeah. And I've read uh, all of their Avatar comics stuff that they've done. I keep, um, yeah. I keep forgetting they did Avatar until we mention it on the podcast, pretty much. It's like, oh, they're great. It's good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good stuff. They really capture the vibe of the show. Um, anyway, so Unbelievable Gwenpool starts off, uh, it's, it starts off as a follow-up to her appearance and initial storyline that originates out of the Howard the Duck reboot that comes after the Howard the Duck that we've read. She appears in issue one, and then I guess just kind of flips off into the night, and then she gets her own number zero special, but that's not what we're reading today. We're reading the proper, like, number one that continues, like, after this, and the whole premise is that... Uh, Gwen Poole, whose actual name is like Gwendolyn Poole, uh, is has arrived in the Marvel Comics world, and she comes from our world. Um, so she's read the comics. She has like a I don't want to say encyclopedic, but probably just about as encyclopedic as any of our knowledges. Yeah, are of like the Marvel comics uh, world and lore and history. Um, so the comic starts out with a with a prequel comic that's been written and drawn by somebody else, but it's her trying to open a bank account. Uh, but because she was transported to this world, she doesn't have like the documentation. She doesn't have a social security number. Uh, she doesn't have an an ID. She doesn't have anything. Uh, so you know, a little relatable to me. Um, <laughs> so the bank gets gets uh, held up uh, by what I assumed was a reference to Miami Hotline, but probably not. Um, but just a bunch of thieves in, like, animal mask costumes, and she, she kills them, and, like, takes off with, like, the hacker nephew. Uh, I think his name was Cecil? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so then after that, she, uh, she kind of starts taking jobs, like, kind of, like, mercenary jobs, and she's kind of using him to help her out. Uh, they take this job that's been, like, that pays a lot of money, but, uh, she... That she's not recommended for it, and they find that the job's already been done, and she kills the person who did it so she can claim it. It turns out that man was working for Modoc, so Modoc re recruits her forcefully uh, because he killed her. He no, she killed his best, uh, like I guess agent. So she has to replace him, and he kills Cecil uh, to kind of force her to do it. And uh, she kind of works with him. She's found out that she isn't actually any good at anything. From, uh, what's his name? Like, ba Batrock? Batrock Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who's, he's, in, he's in Winter Soldier. He is. He's the beginning. He's an yeah. actual MMA artist. Uh, yeah. Fighter. Yeah. A French-Canadian. A French but uh, this one is more over the top. 
with the old costume. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she reveals to him that, like, you know, kind of her history and stuff. Uh, He decides he's going to start helping her out. um, Just because he, I I don't know, because he believes her. Uh, And then Modok kind of figures out that she is not special after she makes, like, a deal with, uh, not a deal. She, She gets a coupon to get help from Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange appeared in both these issues. I just made that connection. Yep. And he, so he helps her out, gives her an identity, uh, with the risk that, like, he's essentially, like, importing her life into the world, like, like, quote-unquote, officially. So she might start forgetting, or, like, her family might start forgetting her and where she's from. Uh, so she kind of heartbreakingly makes that decision. Uh, so when she's revealed to just not be anything special, uh, when she pops up on, like, Modok's information, he decides he's gonna kill her. And then she fights back. And doesn't kill him, but sends him off into space in a very frantic, hilarious battle. Um, With so many chainsaws. Just so many chainsaws. Really what you want to see in a Modok Modoc fight. I, th- I I loved it. It was just crazy. But yeah, go on. Sorry. No, no, that's it. Uh, yeah, so then she kind of continues. So, so I mean, the big uh, cliffhanger here is that whoever was employing Modok reveals that he knows that Modok wasn't the one doing the jobs, that he was assigning them to them. Um, so he's like, We're, we can carry this relationship, and then dun dun dun. We don't know who it is, they're in a shadow. Uh, and I don't know if we ever find out, which we probably do, but I didn't read ahead. I read ahead a little bit and still haven't found it out, but. Because <laughs> I got my numbers wrong, so I'm like two issues ahead, I think, of where it could be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever read past this where we ended tonight. I, I want to, um,. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I was going to like the comedy here because it felt very like Howard the Duckish or even like a little Deadpool in. Um, and I'm just not like a big fan of that stuff. But I think I like the comedy here because it wasn't so fourth wall breaking. Like it wasn't obnoxiously fourth wall breaking. Uh, mm. But I think kind of like the strengths in Howard the Duck, a lot of the comedy here comes from Gwenpool herself as a character. Not Gwenpool herself as a off as a narrator, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I'm gonna. I read the zero issue. I know we weren't supposed to for the podcast, but I did read it, and it does have like. Uh, I I think the this was a really good pairing of stories because Gwen and Howard both kind of take the piss out of the Marvel universe. In similar ways, but their their distinctions are pretty important. And I really think, like, somehow the jokes that were in Howard that I didn't like would have worked better in Gwenpool. But I think Gwenpool also would have been worse for it. Because where Gwenpool kind of is surprisingly strong is where you have a character who um, is trying to just, like, get ahead and be super amoral and just do whatever it takes to make a comfortable living and have a blast doing it kind of slowly coming to realize that she can't actually do that because her actions have consequences that affect other people. Even if she doesn't value those people or even think that they're real, yeah. her conscience is still getting to her. I think I think part of what I like about this is, um, you know, part of the distinction or the difference between the two characters is you have a character that doesn't want to be in this universe and then you have a character that absolutely does. Yeah. Um, and the way they go about it, I think, is kind of the distinction because you, you yeah. know, they're both aware of like how absurd it is. Uh huh. Um, which I think is is a funny concept in in and of itself. 
and uh, I don't think it gets done well enough enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think these, yeah. these these books probably do. Like if I read more Howard the Duck, I would probably start to to think that maybe he he you know they do it well. Um, and Gwenpool does it pretty well, like almost right off the bat. But I think Gwenpool also has that. I th- I think Gwenpool is just a little bit more focused on Gwenpool herself as a character. So I think that's why for me it just kind of flowed better from the start as opposed to like Howard the Duck, where there's certainly a bit of an adjustment period. Yeah, and not to keep talking about Howard, uh, <laughs> but I I like Howard. Um, I think it's interesting because Howard approaches, like Howard doesn't want to be in this world because he looks at what the superheroes are doing and thinks that their priorities are wrong, which feels like a stance that a real person would have in that real world. Gwenpool doesn't have a quote-unquote realistic stance because her entire high concept is she knows this is all fake. And so that makes the stakes that you have to have really interesting. So with Howard, a lot of, of the stakes come in from he's thrown into these situations where the superheroes have to make the life and death decisions and he has to kind of figure out how he's going to muddle through with Gwen. The stakes are, how are we going to make her care about other people when she doesn't believe that the people are real? And I think this book does some interesting things to like play with that concept First, the, the, the computer hacker that she recruits gets murdered, and she finds herself surprisingly broken up by that. Um, there's some hints as to her backstory with Doctor Strange, like, saying, you know, this is going to erase your parents' memories of you, and she, like, pauses for a minute and says, fine. So there's some sort of backstory there that we don't have fully explored. Batrock, who is generally sort of a comedic character takes on a surprisingly serious mentoring role, which I think works really well. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I think, again, it does kind of boil down to the character work, but this this book is pretty successful at what it's trying to do. I really liked that. While Howard, it was like, hey, look who we got, and it was, you know, everyone on display. This one, you know, we get Batrock Zilliper, and we have Modoc, which he, he was less of like a, I don't know. It was it was good, Modok. I think there's a way. To, I don't know. He's like a weird character, and like you got to do him just right. And they're gonna put him in one of the animated series that they're coming out with. And Pat Oswalt's doing the voice, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but this this takes you know some lesser known characters, some new characters, and I think that it you know is successful where Howard is not. I wanted to ask you guys because I just I have. I don't know if I, I, I skimmed it and didn't quite catch it, but, like, she just shows up and decides to start, like, wreaking havoc as Gwenpool, right? Or is there a reason, like, a method to her I th- madness? I think it's explained in uh, in the Howard the Duck and the Zero issue. I think. I don't know. I mean, it's not really. Like, as, as far as why is she blowing things up as opposed to, like, working at Starbucks or something? Is that the question? Yeah, why she's just yeah, why she's doing it. Like how she got oh. here is irrelevant. Like how like okay. why she's doing what she's doing, you know. Uh okay, well I guess there is sort of this there is this bit in the the zero issue where Gwenpool walks into this costume shop mm-hmm. where she's buying her superhero costumes and she tells the person who makes the costumes uh what's what's her name? Ronnie. 
Yeah. yeah. She tells her, I'm new in town, and I've noticed that if you're not wearing a mask or a cape, you're just an extra. Mm-hmm. So if there is some sort of, like, higher method, it really just boils down to she wants to be the main character. She doesn't want to be... She wants to be the center of attention for people who are paying five bucks for an issue. I'd like to avoid that. Okay. Well, that would... That helps. I think I skimmed over that because I was looking for Easter eggs in the shop. Like, (laughs) you know, seeing different masks, seeing different, you know... There's a friggin' yeah, Luke Skywalker's helmets on the shelf in the background. Or or no, I'm sorry, maybe that's not Luke's. It's a it looks similar to it, but it's like a red arrow as opposed to I don't know, it looks like it could be a Star Wars helmet, but <laughs> uh so can can we talk about the art now? It's so good. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. I mean, it's Guru Hero. Is there any yeah. question that it was ever going to be good? But it's particularly good, like consistently good, because it changes. The artists change, and it's still it it like the quality is still there. And, so and... I I mean, I am going to complain about the prequel comic in the first issue. That art turned me off. I was not a fan. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. It's, Let me go it's back. Just, it's just not as I mean, it's just not my vibe. Uh, I just. <laughs> It's it's good. It's really well done. I actually really like the colors in it. Um, I yeah, the coloring really... is the best part. I think out I got, of all I, of them. But... Yeah, I, I made the I made the the joke a little earlier. Not joke. I get the comment that I got like a real Hotline Miami vibe from the villains because that's how the Hotline Miami characters look. But also the colors um, helped in making that comparison. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Hotline Miami. Okay. No, this is, you could tell me that you wrote it yourself, and I'd believe you because I have no connection. It's, it's so Hotline just... Miami is a video game. Oh, hey, cool. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Start with that. Yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna let you carry that, but okay. Nope, that's all I got. I haven't yeah. actually played it. I've it's a game. It. It's like a top-down thing. It's like a it's like an eighties vibe, like a bunch of I think they're a bunch of serial killers. Is what you're playing as or something. But all the characters have like animal masks that are kind of that exaggerated look that these ones have, where they have like kind of the bulgy eyes. Um, but also like they have similar colors. Like these guys have like it, it looks like they have leather jackets, but they're still like painted purple or pink. So like you yeah. get the same type of color scheme from the game. Yeah. So the artist for the prequel, his name is Danilo Bayruth, I believe is how that's pronounced. I'm not positive on that. Um. He also did the Zero issue, and he draws a very good Howard the Duck. Hmm. I do not like the way he draws Gwen herself. He also winds up drawing Black Cat, who appears briefly in that story, and the Black Cat is fine. It's something about the way that Gwenpool looks when he draws. So I just think, like, I don't think he's a bad artist, but I don't think he is suited for this story, which is why when Guru Hero takes over, Guru Hero, like, they're right for this story. <laughs> They've got just yeah. like the right level of camp. The they make the fact that Gwenpool isn't wearing pants like funny. They don't overly sexualize it. It's just like the right level of camp. Yeah. Um I mean it, 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 I'm just a big fan of them anyway. They're great. But like this is honestly I think my favorite work of theirs that I have read. Yeah. I <laughs> Sorry, so I'm scrolling through like the first issue again while while you're talking. I'm paying attention, I promise. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> but uh like, yeah, Steven. Uh-huh. I, one of my favorite jokes in this is that they 
this is the thing I like about Gwenpool, at least from these four issues, is that she's fourth wall breaking, but she can't actually break the fourth wall. Like, she's as much a character in this as the characters in this are. So when they give, when they show her the paycheck for, or like, not the paycheck, they show her like how much the mission will pay her. She can't do the cartoon, like, money marks on her eyes. So it's just oh six, it's six panels <laughs> of her putting the mask on, pulling out a Sharpie, and then drawing the the money signs on her cost on her <laughs> eyes. Yeah, she's That's not she's not guy. omnipotent, yeah. but or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, exactly. I love that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a fun gag. I, th- that's the thing I like about her, I guess, in comparison to, like, Deadpool, is Deadpool actually can break the fourth wall. And I like that she she dances with it, but she can't really break it. Like, she can't break the rules of the universe that she's in. Right. And I, I kind of like that, because it doesn't make her... Because like, that's the whole kind of point of her character in arc in this... Well, not the whole point, but that's a big point of her character arc in this series or this, like, volume that we read. Is that she's actually not special. She doesn't have any special abilities. She can't really do a whole lot apart from know stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a limit to how much knowing stuff can, can do for you. Ask um, Layla Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> and I And I think that's uh, that's interesting. But yeah, this this visual gag is kind of like... I feel like representative of the sh- of the comic as a whole. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. I I'm a Doctor McNinja fan, so if Chris Hast- if Christopher Hastings wrote it, then I'll, I'm there, no questions. So I'm glad we got around around to this. Plus, the uh, I'm still laughing at issue three, the Totoro cover, where it's a grumpy Modoc and she's just oh eating God. a hero <laughs> on the sun. Like they're at the bus stop, she's got the umbrella, and he's just he's, eating a sandwich. It's just oh man, he's just a freaking. He's a big baby in a chair. He is freaking uh, Modoc. With his mohawk, mohawk <laughs> that has the hole in it. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's not like, how hair works. No. No. And it reminds me, like, I think actually where I first encountered Guruhiru was in an Art of Street Fighter book. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, huh. I think that they did art for Street Fighter at one point. I might be mistaken on there. But regardless, there is a character in Street Fighter who has this mohawk that is just, you know, the mohawk with the hole in the middle, which is completely impossible. You cannot do that with a mohawk. And uh, and so just to have it here on one of the most ridiculous characters in Marvel Comics is pretty great. I love it. But the thing, okay, something that you said, John, about MODOK and how you have to, like, take exactly the right tone with MODOK. Yeah. I think what it helps in this story is that Modoc is ridiculous to, like, a Captain America or to a Thor. But to Gwenpool, he's ridiculous and she thinks he's ridiculous. But part of her arc is coming to recognize that Modoc may be ridiculous to everybody else. But to her, she needs to take him seriously. Otherwise, she will die. Yeah. Yeah, and I like so that we get that... to see, you know, since we're not seeing it from an A-list character, we get to see a different shade of, you know, the bad guys and how, like, oh, they are really threatening and it's not just a pushover. It's kind of like talking about the Mandalorian again because that's just what's in the air right now, I guess. You know, 
you had the chicken walkers, the uh, ATSTs in uh, in uh, friggin' Jedi, right? And like, yeah, the Ewoks took them out, you know. And we saw like, oh, that you know, you only see them as like vulnerable and being on those little legs and stuff like that. And a whole bunch of them get wrecked in that fight on Endor. But then in the Mandalorian, there's one out in the woods, and it's you know gonna take out this shrimp farm, and you realize like, oh, this is not just like a you know pushover thing. Like this can wreck an entire village, and like nothing bad will happen to it. Like it's gonna be really tough for like you know or normal everyday people to deal with that kind of a threat. And so we see Modok as you know the big bad. Well, not I mean we, there is a big bad behind him, but like. He's he's the boss for you know a couple issues there and and a credible threat which I don't I mean I've never taken him seriously but this issue gave me pause and I said Modok and his Mohawk is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Gwenpool's solid. Like yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's the best story that we've read or even I'm not sure it's the best comedic story that we've read. Yeah, I don't but, think so. The potential is there. Yeah, the potential is there. And from what I understand, this series actually goes to some interesting places. So I'm going to be curious to read up on it further. Because, again, this is as far as I've ever gotten. And I picked up... I've read both this and the other Howard the Duck story before. Howard the Duck kind of fell in my estimation. This rose. I liked it better this time than I did the first time that I read it. By a fair bit, even, I'd say. This I'll say that this one is one that I'd want to keep reading. Howard, I'm, I'm good. But I like never really been wild. About it. The, the whole concept of the character is just weird to me. But this one, um, I don't know, made, made that type of humor fun. So yeah, I'm I'm a little curious to keep reading it. Uh, but after reading this, I'm a little less curious to check out the stuff from some of the later artists or writers. Because mm-hmm. I've heard some of the later writers after um, I guess Hastings gets off the book or finishes this book. Um, they get a little bit more meme-ish with the humor. Oh. And after kind of getting a taste of, like, this kind of bit and hoping it, you know, it's consistent, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and the only thing that keeps, like, flashing back in my head was that was that stupid panel um, of her talking to the audience and being like, admit it, gurry hero art or not, you'd still hit it. And it's like... <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I wanted to read the book because I wanted to confirm my, my doubts about this book, which were not confirmed, and in fact, quite the opposite. But I feel like those the doubts about the later volumes have been confirmed. <laughs> I'm just flipping, look, looking through it. It looks like Hastings is involved in the book all the way through. That's good. Um, I don't know. Like, I definitely want to keep going because I'm curious about it, but uh, at the same time, we have a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> Being mm-hmm. an adult is hard. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I'd be. I don't think I'd be reading nearly as many comics if it wasn't for the podcast. I definitely, no I definitely would. I would stumble upon them when I'm on my iPad, just like, oh yeah, I have a comics uh, app. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd be like, oh, good old Spider-Man, or I'd reread like Giant Size X-Men or something. Oh then... yeah, I would be on like on my fourth reread of Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> that till four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is nice to have an excuse to explore new books sometimes. Um, but before we move on to the new books, do we have anything else to say about Gwenpool? Happy that it made it on the list, and I'm looking forward to more. Indeed. Should we rank? We should. All right, we have 81, no, 80 books on our list. 81? Dang. 81 books on our list. We have 81 books on our list. We've read a lot. 
All right, this is this is quite the list. So we've got good books pretty much all the way down until, I don't know, 50, 60 something, like we start to get into kind of the mediocre range. So most of this is good, which means if these books wind up scoring a little bit low, we're, they're probably still worth reading a little bit. But let's see. Uh, what do we think about Howard the Duck, volume whatever, issues whatever, whatever. Does this story have a title? I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. This, we'll just go with the default. Go to Amazon. <laughs> see what the trade volume is called. Is it just going to be called Howard the Duck? Yeah, it's called What the Duck. Don't worry. Well, that's about the title I expected. <laughs> of course. We sh- we could have guessed that. We could have like drawn I, names really out of a have. hat and yeah. Yeah. Or pitched better ones. The three of us I'm sure can come up with a better one. Of course, after pitching it for a long time you go, "No, why are we trying to reinvent the wiggle? What the what the duck it Wow, they almost got me. Duck. <laughs> what the duck are we doing? Yeah, here? yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so where does what the duck go? I think I enjoyed it less than the Star Wars New Hope manga. And I think it should go at 39 above Y Stands for Freedom and under the New Hope manga, which is strange to say that, you know, this comic that's in, you know, it's a, it's a modern Marvel comic, the art is good, the, the writing is, you know, could be good, but, I don't know, falls flat more it's than... It's good it. in places. Good in places, but inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still enjoyed this manga more, even though it's like a straight adaptation of, you know, Star Wars. But Even though or because of it being a straight adaptation of Star Wars. Like, I still enjoy it, even though in the back of my mind it's like, you only enjoy this because of nostalgia. You're like, yeah, and that's I'm like, bad. Why? I'm like, quiet you. Yeah. Here's a, I don't hate that placement. Aldo, what do you think? I think I think I'm I'm splitting hairs, but I would honestly just put this just below Y stands for freedom. Really? Yeah, but that's just because I I'm a Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man's in this too. Spider-Man, <laughs> guys, spoiler alert. <laughs> Even when he's not there, you can assume that in the buildings in the background, he's just swinging around. Just... <laughs> in the buildings, he's everywhere. In the building, Any Sean? book has Spider-Man in it if you believe hard enough. It's like, is, didn't they say in Fight Club, like there's a Starbucks cup in every shot? But there's a Spider-Man in every Marvel. There's book. a Spider-Man in every Marvel book, <laughs> even if it's just the logo. I don't. And I think maybe for me, it's just because uh, the humor is a little. It's just it gets a little grating for me, and I don't remember not having. I remember not having a problem with the comedy. I would, you know, I would be okay dropping it below Y stands for freedom out of respect for Kelly Sue DeConnick and Terry Dodson. Yeah, I live near Kelly Sue DeConnick, so I owe it to her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I hate you for that. Although you need to... (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you just need to start making a list of uh, two things. One, one, like, good foodie spots, because that's all I know about Portland, besides hipsters and... There's a whole uh, Dan Cummins bit that's really good about hipsters and because um, he did he like performed it in Portland, but 
Yeah. Anyway, um, foodie spots uh, and uh, possible coffee shops or comic book shops where you might run into Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, and whoever else. I think there's a uh, there's like a good handful of really talented. Yeah, I think there's a couple of them here. Yeah. yeah. So because because eventually I'd like to do a Portland trip at some point, and so I need an inside man to like map out a route of like here's how to have all the cool fusion or whatever food you're gonna have and. See the- the pr- see the problem is I get all my comics mailed in from the store in Utah, so I don't ever oh, visit comic book stores, which oh, I need to. Although you had one job, I I know <laughs> I I actually I mean don't don't tell them, but I'm actually thinking of canceling my hold at the Utah store so I can. <gasps> Wait, which store? Which store is it? The nerd store. Oh. They're so fantastic, and I don't want to leave them, but I gotta. It's I'm not, not that invested in the nerd store. Go ahead. It's not it's... them. It's me. It's the blame it on the mall. It's a creepy mall. <laughs> anyway, it is so a creepy should, mall. should we rank this at number forty then? Sure. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna split hairs over Howard the Duck. Okay. Like I, I like the book, but uh, not feathers, Stephen. It's feathers. Are you, are you gonna split feathers? He's a duck. It's no, it's it's no water off your back, <laughs> like a duck. Gosh, podcast is like a hurricane. <laughs> Too much of a stretch. Okay. Are we we rocking you like a hurricane? Okay, now we've moved on to a different (laughs) rift. Guys, uh, I went to go see Frozen 2, and there's a scene with like a tornado in it. And that was the only thing going through my mind. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. I've only I've only heard good things. I didn't care for the first Frozen, but (sighs) You're not gonna care for this one. You've only heard good things about Frozen 2? Yeah. Would you like to hear other things? No, because that's just the voice in my head that says, like, you know, what it expects to see. And I'm trying to give it a benefit of a doubt because I'm going to have to watch it a lot. Just that's the <laughs> that's just, yeah. I am an unapologetic fan of Frozen 1. I was not. Oh, yeah. I was not super, super into Frozen 2. Huh, Frozen okay. 2, with one minor exception, is worse than Frozen 1 in every way. Ew. Are you talking about the rock ballad? Because that rock ballad, the, the love ballad from what's his name, was fantastic. I am not talking about the rock ballad. Oh my I gosh. did not like the rock ballad. I love, I, I mean, I loved it. That was the best joke in that movie. <laughs> Olaf is better. I, di- I didn't mind him in the first movie, and I expected to hate him and didn't mind him at all. I still don't like Olaf. He has a purpose in Frozen 2 that he does not have in Frozen 1. Yeah, oh, that's good. fair. good, because his purpose in Frozen 1 was to, like, sell toys, and that bothered yeah. me. Yeah, he actually serves a plot point. And Josh, Josh Gad, like, I don't know, sometimes he bugs me, a lot of times he bugs me, but if you get a chance when you're alone and not near people who, can get e- who are easily offended, check out Little Monsters on Hulu. Holy <laughs> crap. I saw that it... Have I already talked about this on the podcast? I, I don't feel like I'm I, don't, I don't think you have. It was a Sundance movie I saw, like one of the midnight screenings, and I was like sick as a dog going into it, and like medicine kicked in right as like the director stood up to kind of give a, hey, here's what we were going for, and it was really great. Um, it's uh, it's Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad and an Australian actor who plays the lead, who I do not recall his name, but he... Uh, Volunteer. He he likes Lupita Nyong'o. He's kind of like a like a guy. He's screwed up his whole life and just broken up with his girlfriend. And then he uh, volunteers to take his nephew out on a field trip, just so he can like hit on Lupita Nyong'o. 
and so he goes and they're in Australia and the the petting zoo they go to is next to a US army base where an experiment goes wrong and zombies get out and they take over the petting zoo and they have to keep the kids safe and protect them from the horrors of the outside world while like zombies are coming in and eating people and it's really gruesome and awful but the kids don't know what's going on they're just like we want to have snack time you know and uh, Josh Gad plays a uh, like a kids show TV um, host he's like a you know I forget what his character name but imagine if Barney was like a dude in a hat and uh, he turns out to be like the worst person ever he's just a horrible horrible human being but he gets like trapped in this building with them and it's uh, um, that's good Josh Gad sorry getting us back to Frozen um, or you know we could get back to ranking Gwenpool it, well it's going to be high so I didn't <laughs> think I, I thought we needed some filler <laughs> Sorry, it was a really funny movie, and uh, uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Anyway, Gwen, <laughs> Gwenpool. Uh, let's throw it up there. Steven's gonna cut all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I should just start cursing oh, to make sure that he does. <laughs> uh, I I try not to cut all of the filler. Actually, I do cut a fair bit of it, but mm. I try to leave some of it in because it gives us personality, like peeks behind the curtain. We are people, not just voices in your ear holes. <laughs> I haven't seen you guys in so long. You might as well just be voices at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I know. <laughs> Pretty true. Okay, Zombies. so where does Gwenpool go? <laughs> That's a good question. I want to put Gwenpool at number 30. Really? That seems yeah. that seems low, but now that I look at it, maybe fitting? I Here's the thing. I, I want to put it up a little higher. Because I, I want to put it up above Squirrel Power, which is number 22. But I also don't think Squirrel Power should be that high up anyways. Uh, uh, if, it, yeah. if it was up to me, Squirrel Power would be like number 30. Do we ever talk about, we always do this, talk about like having a re-ranking. Like, like when Survivor <laughs> brings back people who've been voted off the island and they get a chance to... <laughs> So I've seen one episode. Don't think I'm one of those people who likes reality TV. I watched one. I was peer pressured into watching one season, and then I fell off after like the guy who should have won got voted off. But um, I enjoy yeah. cooking competition shows. But don't don't think I watch like Kardashians or whatever. Don't judge okay. me. How did we wind up talking about Survivor? Because Anyways. we need to have a future a future episode where some of the lo- some of the less deserving things that have higher rankings get knocked down a peg. Like for example. Why is Hawkeye not in the top ten? There are plenty of Hawkeye issues that Matt Fraction wrote, and I'll be danged if they're gonna just like Hawkeye's in the top ten twice. Yeah, but there's eight more spots. <laughs> My thinking is that Aldo will get some justice with Squirrel Girl getting knocked down. Yeah, I would put I would put Gwenpool above a Squirrel Girl, but I also don't think it deserves to be up nearly that high. But it would be cathartic. Oh. I, I say I say this goes above Galaxy's Best Detective, under Craven's Last Hunt. Actually, you know what? No, I would put it maybe above Craven's Last Hunt, because that friggin' that friggin' vermin guy is is freaky, and I wouldn't I would not revisit that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like Thunder in Her Veins, Spider Man, uh, Gifted, Finally Woven Thread. Like I think. On some level, I think they're... I don't want to say better books, but they're just as good as Gwenpool. But I don't think this Gwenpool is firing on all cylinders just yet. It, it, it needs more time to prove itself. This is all a little higher than I would put it. Um, 
I kind of want to put it under Rogan Gambit. Oh. But think of the R. Except, except, I think this is better than A Babies versus X Babies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, which is now that I'm like, it, since we're talking about things that maybe we want to re-rank, I think A Babies versus X Babies might be too high. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Hey, those babies are those babies aren't hurting anybody. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we put it above A Babies versus X Babies, that would knock it down a little. Well, I would put it up above. I I, I think I have to agree with you. I think I would put it above Craven's Last Hunt. In terms of art and re-readability. Yes. That's higher than I want to put it, but I'm willing to bow to democracy. So, yeah. Yeah, democracy wins. Democracy wins. Because somebody loses. (laughs) Usually the working man. Mm. There's a joke in here about aliens versus predator. You know, whoever wins, we all lose. Yep, yep, you're right. Something like that. You're right. I'm actually, I, I cannot promise that we haven't made that joke before. No, it's fine. This You can just reuse old audio. Just stitch do, it on at the end. Yeah. Hey, do we have a title for the Gwenpool book? Yeah, it's actually called Believe It. Oh, man, it's my favorite Naruto catchphrase. Oh, there are so many to choose from. Believe it. <laughs> are there any to choose from? I can't ever watch more than the first episode of Naruto because I watch dubs and the Naruto, the Naruto voice is just bad. Uh, I don't think there's other catchphrases apart from yeah. like I'm gonna kill my whole family and like that's that's the other catchphrase. Oh, that sounds like a wholesome show. I need to have some weird like like niche thing that I know about that you guys know nothing about. You guys want to talk about Peter the Great and how he formed Saint Petersburg? No, you but guess... I do want to talk about which books we're gonna read next time. Well, you guys got to have your Naruto talk in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, you went like on a five minute tangent about Josh Gad's zombie zoo petting zoo movie. You know, fair, and I'm happy if that. Fair, okay. Uh, feel free to cut it, but also check it out on Hulu again when you're around people who are not offended by horrible gore and language, just filthy, awful language. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Well, okay, so the next stories that we read, first of all, we want to go back and revisit Jessica Jones. Uh, so we're going to go back to the Kelly Thompson run and and follow up with Purple Daughter, which is the sequel to the story that we've already read. But also, the week that we're recording this is the week that the new Mutants trailer dropped. And being on the fence about the movie, I decided to watch the trailer and got hyped for it. And so I'm recommending that we are going to go back to Claremont-era X-Men and read The New Mutants, numbers 18 through 20, which is the Demon Bear Saga. It's a big deal. Yep. Chris Claremont, art by Bill Sienkiewicz, who is interesting as an artist. I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk about Sienkiewicz. I don't think we've really discussed him before. He's on our, is he on our list anywhere? Is he on our list? Have we done Sienkiewicz before? I wouldn't even know how to spell it, so I'm going to say no. S-Y... I'm going to look real quick. I don't think so now that I say that. If you look on the website, you can just... Uh, it has a search field. You can do that. What's the website address? Uh, superhumanregistrationpodcast.com Oh, how handy. What a great idea. We have... we He does not appear on our list. Yet. <laughs> Join us next time for that. Uh, do we have any back matter that we want to talk about? Uh, do we want to rant about Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> I think we should, I'm also, like, we already have outside of the podcast. Yeah, it's also late. 
And yeah. you guys don't have an hour to hear me complain about how C-3PO breaks the movie. That was... See, I... They made me care about C-3PO. And then they made me not care again. No, that's fine. Uh. Uh, um, but <laughs> but can we agree that the scenes with Ky- Kylo and Rey were good? No, we can't agree on that. Mm, maybe we should just go to bed. Stay friends. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I was upset by the movie, but have come to, like, I've, I've made my peace, and I can enjoy it. I just want to point out that the final moment with Ray and Kyle, which, screw it, I'm going to spoil it, when they kiss, uh, and then he dies, uh, that probably got the biggest laugh out of the audience in my theater viewing. Just him, him force-ghosting? Uh, yeah, not even force-ghosting, just dying. Like, just, like, the kid, like, he wakes her up, she flips up, they kiss, and then he falls down. Like, that got... The biggest laugh of that whole movie. Um, and that's not meant to be a comedic scene. Yeah. The only time I laughed in the movie was when Ray like, raises her her lightsaber to strike down Palpatine. And her hand disappears behind her back. And then she brings it up and it's empty. And it's because she like force teleported the lightsaber to Kylo. Mm-hmm. Like, I laughed. But I actually laughed because I liked it. I yeah, that was a, that that moment was a great was actually moment. Well set up. I also like how nobody ever thought about using two lightsabers against Sith lightning. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Anyways. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, we need. We. I'm. I'm looking forward to Ryan Johnson's trilogy. That's what. Uh, that's what I came away from this movie really feeling like. Hmm. Is he doing the Obi Wan trilogy or are those two separate? No, ones? he's doing his own completely. Like Obi Wan is going to be a TV show, I think. Oh, that's and they right, that's right. there was going to be the potential. I think could have been Solo, then Obi Wan, then Boba Fett, or then Boba Fett, then Obi Wan. But the the villain could be the same for all. Like the the through line to connect to those movies could be they're all fighting the same villain and running into them, and then and then you get like more Darth Maul, which I didn't care about, but I was like, there's a way you could do it. Like, I don't want him back in movies. I thought that was dumb at the end of Solo. I thought a lot of Solo was dumb. But I uh, thought, well, if you're going to make these movies and you're really going to make them, then at least, like, you know, explore this villain you've created. Darth Maul has, like, a really good story. Um, Have you seen Clone Wars? That's what everyone on this planet says when I'm like, meh, Darth Maul, he's kind of a gimmicky I mean, bad guy. Check but, out that, Wars. but then everyone's like, but the spider body, you got to check it out. I mean, so. screw the spider body. Like, he just has a really good, like, story about struggling with being fired. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I just hope the Obi-Wan show is just like a parody of Pawn Stars of him on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> And it's followed by troops, where it's the stormtroopers cop thing that he did on YouTube years ago. Okay, oh we should all go to bed. Um, and uh... anyway, thank you all for joining us, Superhuman Registration Podcast. Send us a story if you have anything that you want us to read, and watch out, you're on our list. Catchphrase reappears. New Year's <laughs> resolution. We're going to use it in every episode. Oh no, my New Year's resolution was to keep Chuck Sprightly alive. Uh, but that's been killed. So yeah, you done resolution. killed him. Chuck was on our list, and look what happened to him. You're next. (laughs) 